I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by some of the cast members from Netflix's Space Force. We are joined today by Ben Schwartz, Jimmy O. Yang, Tony Newsom, and Diana Silvers. And Ben, I wanted to start with a question for you about your character's relationship with success and failure, because he's a character who, you know, has had some successes in his career prior to Space Force, but also clearly some failures. And was interested in how that drives a lot of motivations and choices for the character and for your performance, particularly with his over-exuberance of confidence sometimes being a mask for that. What an incredible question to start this off. What an actual great question from someone who's watched the show. It's too good of a question. We're tired. I know. It's a lot. Webster, how dare you? Uh, I love that question. That's a huge drive for, for, um, what the character of Tony kind of uh, is about, because you could see like he's always trying to impress his dad in this season. You could see that he really wants to show people that he's good at his job uh, just because, you know, like maybe his maybe he plays things that he's bigger than he actually is. But in the end, he really does want to impress. He looks at Carell's character as a father figure. So I think failure is a huge aspect of how he pushes himself in, in the past. You know, he's had different jobs and he's been fired from different jobs. And he sees this one at the beginning, maybe is like, I don't know if this is um, important. Like, I don't know if this is exciting as working socials for something else, but um, his failures in the past are making it be like, this is the last resort. We got to nail this one. And then he starts to look up to all these people that are on the Zoom right now, to Jimmy, to Diana, to Tony, and he wants to show them he's good at this. So um, the, it's, it's a huge drive for the whole thing. And I, I, I can't tell you how happy I am. And I don't think we'll ever get that question again. <laughs> <laughs> And Jimmy, I wanted to talk about you jumping into the writer's room for this season and also writing episode 203, um, because it's not just about, you know, writing to the voice of the show. It's also about bringing your comedic sensibility into the show, your ideas and and creative concepts, Um, you know, but also you have the gift of writing on a show that you've been in for a season. You've been working with the rest of the cast and you've seen how they play to their characters and what their strengths are. And so what are the things that you were really excited to be able to write into the show with all of that in mind? Equally great question. I can't believe this. I don't know if my little brain can handle that. Out of control. Oh my god! No, it, I, I mean, it was a um, an a opportunity of a lifetime that was blessed by the pandemic, more or less, because I don't think I would have been able to spend twenty four weeks in a writer's room, well, this is on Zoom with the greats, you know, if I was shooting uh, something else, you know. So this this was the perfect pandemic uh, masterclass for me, you know, working with Greg Daniels, Norm Hiscock, Steve Carell every day. I think my Zoom is, I would say, better than most people's Zoom. So that was exhilarating just to learn from these greats. And for me, yeah, sure. You know, every actor wants to write something funny for themselves. But I think knowing these guys um, well now from season one and, and knowing everyone is so talented and just writing to everyone's comedic strength and then really developing those relationships that we saw in season one. Um, not just the romantic relationship possibly with me and uh, Tawny's character, but also the friendship between me and Ben. And of course, Diana's uh, character and Steve's um, uh, father and daughter relationship. Just so seeing all of that shine, especially season two, it's more of an ensemble comedy with all of us interacting with each other, you know, instead of every episode fighting something and an outside force. That was really fun to write to, you know, just the growth of each character. Um, you know, we, we, we had many weeks, many days of just discussing why, the, what makes this character funny and let's write to that strength. So it was, it was a nice experience for me. It was a masterclass for me and it was just 
great to be able to service these uh, great castmates of mine. I really love that. And and Tani, with your character throughout the second season, you know, she's not really in a great place following her expedition to the moon. Uh, and I was interested in how you found the different ways that she tries to express herself when she's unable to communicate how she's feeling, because there's such a myriad of ways that you get to play with that. You know, we learn that she loves drumming and that becomes one form of expression. And even particularly her relationship with Chan, with Jimmy's character, also the way that she is kind of interacting with him and a lot of their relationship dynamic comes from her not being able to talk about these things out loud with anybody as well and so how did you kind of approach finding the different facets of that wow mara you're three for three just uh, gotta applaud these <laughs> questions too good Nervous for the next one <laughs> yeah i know gosh you're you're hitting a thousand is that the phrase um yeah that's interesting talking about how she communicates when she feels she can't communicate yeah i mean i, I can't think of a more brain scrambling thing than going to outer space uh, I, I can't even fathom. I get a lot of like fans and people asking, would you ever go if you could like get on a rocket? And the answer is absolutely not. That, that seems insane. So, uh, she's already a very different person from me. And so it was interesting. Like I'm very direct and I don't have trouble communicating in most settings. So it was interesting to, to play this person who has done this incredible, you know, adventure, this incredibly heroic thing, but yet has trouble expressing Hey, I just want a casual relationship or, Hey, I don't want to, you know, move up in the ranks in space force. I want to, you know, to, to not be able to express those very basic wants and needs yet. She's able to pilot a rocket to the moon. I was kind of like, who is this person? And what I sort of landed on is that, you know, someone who, uh, I have to imagine that someone who decides to join the military is okay with a certain autonomy being, you know, sort of taken away from them or, or okay kind of donating that away in, in service of something greater. So I imagine that this is someone who just never placed a ton of importance on uh, her own like direct communication. And it's not that she doesn't have those thoughts, but it's just that she was never asked, you know, when you're in basic training, you're not really asked what you want or what's going to make you the most comfortable. So she kind of has these nonverbal outlets. At least that's what I think I, that's what I think I was doing. Who knows? Sometimes I was just trying to make sure my drum sounded good. And I was saying the jokes, you know? And Diana, one of the things that's, that was really fun to watch with your character in the first season is those moments where she was acting out because it was coming from such a place of just wanting people to see her properly, to feel acknowledged and to feel included. And in the second season, we really get to see her have those opportunities. She gets an internship at Space Force, gets to kind of be part of the inner bubble a little bit more. And her dad even drunkenly tells her how proud he is of her, which is something she's been striving for as well. And so between the fact that she's kind of getting some of the things that she's really been pushing for and wanting internally, and the fact that she's also at that precipice of an age where she's really kind of growing as a person so consistently, how did that allow you to find a lot of shifts and evolutions of, at, within her as a character this season? Jeez, you make, you're really selling me on Erin. Um, I think, um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I don't know. It's like, a, it's, how do you tell a coming of age of, 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 a, of a teenager on such a small scale in a short amount of time when and and not as like the main protagonist I feel like that's kind of that is like for me I think that's what me and Ken talked about a lot um it's just like how do we show this person finding her place in the world when or like uh, finding a purpose for Aaron outside of other people I guess and Aaron trying to figure out her purpose outside of serving other people um and I think that's what's special with her 
interning and trying out different roles and then ultimately kind of saying, actually, I don't want any of this. There's something else I want to do that's entirely different. Um, and I want to explore that. And I think that's a lot of, I mean, there's different coming of ages in life and definitely when you're a teenager, it, it's, it, it holds more weight because everything kind of feels like life or death with the heightened hormones and, and emotions and stuff. And, um, Ken was really great. Uh, and Steve is the best scene partner. So I've, I, it was really, um, it's just a, it was really fun to explore these, these different things and be back in high school as a, as a 20 something. <laughs> and Ben and Diana, one of the scenes in the second season that I wanted to ask you both about is the moment where, um, you know, Space Force has been hacked and security has been compromised. And so Steve Carell's character comes up with the idea of, well, why don't we mislead the hackers by writing a script and making them think something different? Um, because that was something where you really kind of got to go all in on the comedy. You know, you have Aaron just kind of being very playful with herself. And then, you know, Ben, your character, the fact that he's even lip syncing along to the other character's lines and going full in. <laughs> <laughs> just interested in how you found the comedic tones of that scene in particular. Um, for me, for, first of all, for me, one of the highlights of that is watching John Malkovich pretend he's a bad actor is one of my favorite things in the world. Watching quite possibly one of the best actors uh, of all time be be bad at acting uh, purposely mm -hmm. was amazing. Um, that was super fun because it was like, you know, the idea of playing our characters, but playing our characters, attempting to do something that they're not very good at and something that all of us on the Zoom have been doing for decades now. Um, it was super fun. I tried to treat it as that lip sync. I'm happy that lip thing came in because I've been with people before who get, when they get really excited about something they wrote or something that they're really nervous about. They lip along with what everybody else is saying until it gets to their lines and they do it. So I was like, oh, that might be funny because I've seen that before. But it was super fun. And I think that Norm Hiscock and uh, Greg uh, and Ken gave us room to play way more uh, in this season. So this season, the idea that we're bringing more comedy, we're bringing more of the ensemble and stuff like that. And I think that's a perfect scene to kind of highlight all of those things. Also, Diana gets to play with all of us now. Before it was like Diana was uh, it, it had a family uh, side and then uh, now she gets to play with all of us. So it truly is like a true like get all these very talented people in a room and get great words in front of them. And we kind of get to uh, soar a bit. Yeah. Was that a similar scope for you, Diana, in, in that particular scene? Yeah. I, I remember just on the day laughing so much. <laughs> uh, there were all these funny props and Don Lake was doing all these funny things with props and. Um, oh my God. Being, that like, was so guy. funny. Yeah. I wish they had left in the come on man, but uh, they, they cut some, some of the, there were some moments that were that I, I think both Ben and I were laughing about on our, on our drives step you know home at the end of the day and we referenced the next day at, at on set um that didn't make it into the cut which is you know that's how the cookie crumbles but I just remember on the actual day having the most fun and and it was really hard to not break that day because you have all these these legendary actors and and um and uh masters of improv just going for it and it's like how do you how do you stay in it when it's all you want to do is laugh it was, it was a really fun day. And Tony and Jimmy, there's so many great different levels and layers that the two of you get to play off of with one another this season. You know, it's everything from kind of the full comedic connection to the really romantic moment, to the moment where they're having to be very earnest and open with each other when they're stuck in an elevator that's broken down. Um, and so how did you feel that, that the writing in particular and the dynamic that you got to play to in this season really allowed for a lot of different explorations of emotion between your two characters? 
Wow, five for five. This is uh, batting a thousand, Tony. It's not hitting a thousand, but we'll take it. I don't, uh, I don't sports. I don't know sports. <laughs> it was, I mean, much to the credit of Greg and Norm, um, you know, we really wrote out the whole arc. You know, I just came off the rom-com Love Heart. So I knew, okay, this is, these are the moments we need to find in a rom-com for me as an actor and a writer. So we really mapped it out. Like, so um, uh, Tawny's character, my character, we we had our own movie that just woven into um, uh, 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 the season. And, and each episode was a certain, you know, high or low and, and a certain place, which I just love. There's so much for us to do from us. I don't want to give away too much, but, you know, like you said, the romantic stuff to the 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 jealousy to you know you just go through the whole emotion and uh it was so fun and i mean tawny of course is a great scene partner um and once again shout out to ken quapas our wonderful director direct all, all seven episodes this year and usually you don't get that luxury in tv you know one director directing the whole season so he gets it he gets the whole arc he's not just directing his episode and he gets the entire story and he was keeping on, uh, us on track on like what just happened before this scene between the two and what just happened after. And it just filled in the whole picture, you know, uh, for the story. So if you just cut out the scenes of me and Tawny, you know, you almost have an episode out of itself of this great rom-com that's happening. I, and I did do that and I have it available if anyone would like to watch just the Tawny and Jimmy supercut. <laughs> yes. something I did, so. You're welcome. It's unbelievable. Tony's incredible at editing, by the way. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to be an editor uh, when this dries up. Um, yeah, no, I agree with everything Jimmy, Jimmy said. It was really great to have Ken kind of tracking things so that, you know, doing this big block shooting, you know, sometimes your brain is just uh, a little mixed up. And so to be able to go to him and say like, wait, uh, am I mad at him? Are we okay now? What's going on? Because mm -hmm. um, it was kind of delicate and and sort of nuanced. It wasn't like I think if you do look at that um, super cut of our scenes, you're not going to see a traditional rom-com either. It's like there's very subtle changes. I mean, I keep going back to this woman went to the moon and she's dating the guy who helped her go to the moon. That's not like a that's not a normal you know, that's not a normal meet cute. So uh, I think the writers, Jimmy included, did a great job of honoring just how kind of strange it is and how these people might behave with all these heightened uh, emotions. I also felt like a lot more of of us was in the dialogue. I think we had more room to play this year. Just the nature of how we were shooting meant that all of us got to riff and play and be a little looser. Um, you know, last year was very big. Every The setups were so huge that they're, you know, I'm usually in a helicopter or in a rocket or on wires or something. So there wasn't a lot of time to like joke around or do alts. And uh, this year things just were a little more contained which I think let the comedy breathe better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And with, with kind of the comedy coming together on this show overall, it always sounds like there's moments that really need to stay specific to the script and that there's also a lot of moments like the scene that the two of you were talking about, Ben and Diana, where there really is a lot of opportunity to do alts, to riff around and to try different things. And I was interested for all of you in how working on a show that really embraces improv in that way, even down to the fact that auditions for the show included an improv setup after reading the lines, really helps you in terms of discovery of character and just that opportunity when you step onto a new show to try different things and really have that journey of discovery in a different way. Yeah, I think it helps you shade your character. Diana, go. Sorry, keep going. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I was just going to say, I think once you start to actually think like the character and speak like the character, 
it like I think what Ben was going to say is it helps you shape them more because you're just thinking as them and you can talk as them in a scene and then all of a sudden it's not like oh what are my lines it's just like oh how does this character think and feel and like how do they move through the world she nailed for it. me that <laughs> was it ben, she, she no said notes. What you i got no notes it was perfect i mean this has been a perfect interview i don't know what's going to happen to the lightning is going to strike right now is, is, it, is it mara or mara 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 the, you're unbelievably prepared and it, thank you for all of this sorry tony no, no, no. I was just going to say that I do have some ways that I could ruin it if you want to just shake things up. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, by the way, and Tawny has edits of different parts of the show that she's done by herself yeah. if you want to see that. Like, I'm going to cut Blake. Yeah, I'm going to cut stuff into this interview of just like me on a horse, ah. you know, just some fun, just some fun stuff. Shake it up. No pressure. This is great. Mara, you're getting the real sweets now. This is Tawny doing what Tawny does. <laughs> and then last, lastly, I was just kind of interested in the ways that, that some of you may have in terms of tracking character details. Obviously, when you're working on a show, you're always shooting things out of order. There's a lot to kind of tracking and, and keep in your head at the same time. And, and I know that just like John Malkovich has his binder with tabs and scented markers. Um, yeah. you know, interested in what kind of methods you've all found that really work for you. I learned I that from John. I mean, I'm like, I'm going to do everything John is doing. If he's, he's holding the whole seven page, uh, uh, seven episode script with that. I better do that. You know, so so that really helped. Uh, and being in the writer's room, like it really helped. Or else I would have been, I, I think, very confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember my first movie, I had a binder with the tabs and the highlighters and like notes everywhere and everyone called me a nerd and then John Malkovich did it too and I was like I am merely prepared like I'm like if John Malkovich does it then I'm no nerd <laughs> I had all my things in a iPad with all the episodes and kind of what I did was I kind of try to memorize the not fully but like have all of it kind of in my head somewhere and then when the week came up before the thing but man uh, so everything's on my little iPad but it's like it is very exciting to watch how John Malkovich works and then uh, watch Jimmy and Diana start holding a toothpick like he does and start wearing his custom clothes <laughs> <laughs> and talk about Steppenwolf a lot. It's very exciting. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I believe, and tell me if this is wrong, the way Tony memorizes all of her lines is she edits together different lines of dialogue from different <laughs> movies that ultimately make those sentences. So yeah. like, yeah. And, and apologize, please tell me your process. Tony, please no, tell me your process. She has a super cut of different movies yeah, <laughs> on her yeah. iPad. So it'll be like Pacino and then like Reese Witherspoon. And it'll be like- <laughs> In the same take, Tony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cut them all together. I love to edit is what I want the takeaway from this interview to be is that I love to edit. This is a good um, time to plug a final cut. You said you want to plug final cut. Yeah, I actually just wanted to plug iMovie. Um, that's oh, okay. my best work. <laughs> yes, <Great>. yes. <laughs> No, but uh, truthfully, uh, season one, I feel like Ben used to make fun of me because I was a little cavalier about the lines and I would just kind of like we read them at the table read. We, you know, because we would have table reads. This was pre-COVID. So we had like in-person reads. And then I'd read it like if there were any changes that came to my email, I'd read it like the night before. But really, I'd memorize in the makeup chair because I was just I've always been like a kind of a quick study. And I started to feel like, oh, no, am I not like taking this seriously enough? But I feel like I'm always fine. And Ben was like astounded. And then season two came around and I realized we just, we hear from Angela so much more in season two, like season one, she's pretty stoic. She's a soldier. Her, her, her dialogue is more limited. And season two, I was like, oh, we're, I talk more. 
so I need to study these harder. So I, I developed a process that I've never done for any other role of memorization, where I would like <laughs> run the lines with a friend. Isn't that isn't that a novel? Ten years of the to business? Tony's credit, she has a superhero power of like I couldn't do my anxiety wouldn't allow me to do it. She can look at something. Yeah. And two minutes later, she knows it. I can't, I have to look at it and like, it takes me a bit. Tony's just able to do this yeah. skill set that very few people have. Yeah. I have to like write my lines down like 10 times. I like, like that. That's cool. It, well, if I don't have someone to help me memorize lines and I have to like, like I write them down. I don't know. It's like, it's like, I, I treat it like I'm studying it for a test. Mm -hmm. It's. Oh, it's, wow. Well, I, mean, I think it's honestly it's an anxiety thing. I'm like, ah, if I'm not memorized, the whole thing's gonna, it's, it's, you know, doing a play, you have like everything memorized before you even start. So I just have to like have it all like then the week before the week of, or like that weekend before the week of work. It's like, I write everything down like 20 times. Like it's crazy. Like honestly, like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. It's, it's really nice. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing all of these details. Congratulations on a great second season and really appreciate it. Great oh job, Mara. You're great at your best. job. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us.